Welcome to episode 334 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, our team, welcome along to episode 334 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm very good, and you? I'm on top of the world, John. Not quite, but we're, we're, we're halfway up. We're about, what, what is your elevation here? About Probably about 70 metres, 80 metres? I wouldn't have a clue. I'll, I'll get my account. Maybe higher than that. Top is it 400 metres to the top of the Kiwi? It's about 375, I think. Yeah, we would be, we'd be a bit more than a third, wouldn't we? Mm, be about about a third up. Yeah. So then we're about 100 and something. Yeah. Yeah, about 120 something. It's not quite on top of the world. No, but we're getting there. We're getting there. I was just giving John the backup lesson. He's he's got oh. all these, he's bought his new Macs, and he's doing really good. I'm really proud of him. He's, you know, he's making it in the world. He hasn't got a backup team. He hasn't got an external hard drive. No, no, disappointing. And he goes, I got Dropbox. He's but what about your photos? Rolling the eyes at me. Put, put them on CD. I don't know what he's doing. I am talk is proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com for tasty. When you wake up in the morning, John, you want that morning kick. Coffees of Hawaii. Tell you what, it's like bloody winter today in Christchurch. You can deal with some of that. It's freezing. Athlinks.com. Athlinks.com is social networking for endurance athletes. And extreme endurance. And your lactic buffer to help you get faster. In today's show, John, what have we got happening here? I just kind of hold that up for a second, didn't I? Bit of news. Got a bit of news. We've got a high five. Yes, quite a good one, actually. Quite uh, quite appropriate timing by James the Wiseman Botel. He did well on this one, didn't he? We've got a website of the week. and That, was, that came out of nowhere, didn't it? <laughs> haven't actually looked at it yet. Oh, it's a good website. Okay. It's a really good website. Uh, Coach's Corner, John's What's plugging not, himself. Well, it's not only Coach's Corner, it's Pro, Project 2014. John's plugging people. himself. Here we go. Be excited. You aren't going to get no sleep Be until 2014. Very excited. And then we've got some questions and answers at the end. And we're going to start today's show with a bit of news. And I think probably the biggest piece of news we heard in the last kind of four or five days was Andrew, how's his last name, John? I think it's Starkowitz. Starkowitz, okay. Um, absolutely destroyed. Ruining the oh. bike in Ironman Florida. Insane. Because last week we talked about Ironman Florida, you know, this really is a third tier race now. It's got $25,000 prize money, 1,000 points. So, you know, from a pro perspective, why would you really go there? You've got, uh, you, you would get reasonable media coverage in the US magazines and things like that. So I understand that side of it. But outside of that, the profile didn't look especially strong. Um, but we'll talk about the results in a moment. Well, this is not entirely true. Miranda Carfrey. I know, but but she she must have been a late entry. Well, no, that's right. We couldn't find the entries last week because they had that big bloody nameless. But anyway, the story of the day, as Bevan said, four oh four for a bike split. Four oh four. Now, did you you put on the you put on Facebook? Was it the fastest ever? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was because um, when we look back to Andreas Raylert's performance when he went what nine forty and uh, seven forty six, I think it was. That's ridiculous, John. He rode four eleven. Granted, he got off the bike and probably ran about 240 or 238 or something like that. But 404 is insane. I checked with um, a guy that I had racing, whether it's whether it's accurate as well, and reports are, you know, it's, it's pretty close, you know, as close as you're going to get, you know, within, he, he said he yeah, maybe like got a, race. half a mile out or something. So let's say even if it's Still. Two, two, three, two or three minutes difference, 404, that's nearly averaging 45k an hour. You know, four hours, I guess, is, is 45k an hour. That is ridiculous. John, it is. It's ridiculous. That is stupidly fast. No, imagine when the person goes under four hours. 
It's and and you know often people say oh he's drafting and they say that about Raylert and other races where they've gone really fast. Yeah, that that certainly helps. But in terms of if you've got media vehicles and things like that there, but I yep. can't imagine at Florida there's going to be much of that going on. Of course, yes, it's fast course. You still got to ride forty five k an hour. It is ridiculous. Do you know what I? You, I've probably talked about this on the show in the past, but when you when you go to Ironman racing and you, you know, like I think I averaged my best ride was about four thirty four thirty five. Yeah, maybe no, you were in thirty six. I got a thirty six. Okay, yeah. so thirty six k's an hour, and you, and that's hard work, man. Mm. And then you speak to people who go back me down for a ride for half an hour in their life, and they go, "Oh, yeah, I average you know fifty k's an hour." <laughs> you don't have an idea. So forty five k's an hour is just phenomenal, isn't it? Yes, it is. And we know he's a strong cyclist, incredibly strong. He was. Now he's the guy who got Dhabi. he got in jail, wasn't he? Yeah, well, he, he was the guy who was leading in Abu Dhabi. He had the, he crashed into the um, the volunteer and ended up in all sorts of pickles, um, having to stay in Abu Dhabi. He was in jail for a night and uh, got his passport some confiscated. Pickles. For, did they give him pickles? Yeah, they did. That's big, big, big food. <laughs> That's in, what happens uh, in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> Abu Dhabi. Um, and he had all sorts of hassles getting out there, and obviously getting over the injury, he was badly injured. So. We knew he was a fantastic rider. We knew, know he's an all-round fantastic athlete. But to go out there and just absolutely crush it is uh, is pretty impressive. Well, he had, he had a fifteen-minute lead off, off the bike, didn't he? Yeah, because well, he backed it up with it. Well, we, he started off with a forty-nine fifty-one swim, so he was in the front. I think he was second out of the swim um, to start with, and then there was apparently there's a pack of you know good sort of six, seven guys riding together who probably were technically riding as a pack, um, and still. You know, the next fastest time I can see is four seventeen, which is still you know, four fifteen, which is still insanely fast. So it must have been a very, very fast day. But that just, just doesn't take anything away from it. Four oh four is ridiculous. But you know what? Any time a record's gonna be broken, it's gonna be on a fast day. Mm. You know, mm. you're never gonna see on a fast course on a fast day, that's where records go. I suppose the question is, John, so he, he did did he blow in the run or did he just kinda of cruise at home? I haven't seen anything about that. So he Yeah, I read up, up on it but I couldn't find any info. Yeah, he came home in a three oh six um He run. won by two minutes. One by two minutes. Two dead yeah, Two, two and a half minutes. So, yep, you're right. He could have been running for uh, holding on, but I dare say he's probably blowing a bit after that sort of bike ride. So whether he becomes a contender for Kona or something like that, obviously he needs to improve his run a bit, but his swim is surely is, is good enough. His bike, you know, he could be someone that's just going to go nut bar on the bike. And, uh, you know, if he can get his run down... Um, I don't know. Who, know, who knows what could happen, but Jan Raphael was second, he's no mug, he's, he's won plenty of races before, and uh, and is a very, very good athlete, he came in 808, and Scott DeFilippis um, was in third in 809, and I think he's on team TBB, um, those guys came home with fantastic run splits, uh, 247 yeah, for Scott DeFilippis, and 249 for Jan Raphael, had the old glove man back there in 823, in 8th um, place, so good racing. So on the girl side of things, we had Meredith Kessler got out of the water first, pretty much held the lead for the bike, but Van Verken was catching her mm-hmm. to about a minute within her by the time the bike finished. But then got off the bike and Verken caught her about four mile mark and ended up winning the race, running a 3.04.45. She set a course record in 8.51. So it's brilliant racing for her. I can't quite understand the motivation for her to be going and doing this race because... Again, there's, there's no money. It's low points. I can't quite can't quite figure it out. But outstanding performance. Now she um, wasn't in Kona. She didn't qualify this year, did she? Or did she not qualify, or did she not go? I don't know the answer. She did definitely didn't go. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure of whether that was a qualification thing or not. She's of the standard that if she wanted to qualify, she yeah. just have to, to tick the you know to go and do the right boxes. But that was a really good performance. Um, and Kessler ended up fading. She did a nine o. 
eight, so yes. which is about 20 minutes or 15, 16 minutes back. But Marina Kafi came in second in a 9.05. So I'm thinking she must have just been cruising. Well, uh, when we interviewed her in Kona, um, prior to Kona, or no, was it after Kona? Uh, maybe in the, I can't remember where it was, but she was saying, oh yeah, I might just go and, and do, do an Ironman and, and walk the run. And I was like, you're not going to be able to walk the run. No. <laughs> and, uh, and her competitive spirit, I think, came over to the degree. What was her in the run? 303. Um, and she, she said in the, in the pre-race conference that, you know, she hadn't done anything for, it was either 10 days or two weeks straight after, kind of like nothing. Yep. And she was just going to go in there, sort of see how she felt. And if she didn't feel on fire, just um, sort of just, do a good steady effort but not not too hard but it's still it's still pretty steady and what the advantage she's got now she's ticked the, the box done. done she does not have to do an Ironman next year and and so I think she's going to go back to where she her, back to her roots how she first did extremely well in Kona was not doing an Ironman um, in that year sort of going off the previous year's uh, result when's Arizona John? Arizona is in two weeks. Okay, so do you think this is going to be you're going to see next year quite a few people turn up to Florida just to get it out of the way? Because well, it, it, you know you talk to the pros, they don't like the fact that they, or a lot of them don't like the fact they have to do another Ironman. Well, I think you're only going to see the champions potentially doing that because for for people who want to qualify, this is only a thousand point race. So if they're going to do that, I think you see that at Arizona. At what point in the field? Like if you've got a top five, you pretty much only have to turn up and do something, don't you? Uh well, you've got to get it, but you've got to get. I think this year they had to get about three and a half thousand points. If you if you win this, it's only a thousand points. You're going to have to find another mm. two and a half thousand somewhere. So you're going to have to do a lot of seventy point three racing. But for Miranda Carfrey, she's just got to do an Ironman somewhere. So different story for her, for Crowey, for for the Mecca, champions. Yeah. Um, but for everybody else, um, they're more likely to go to Arizona, which has got better money, um, better points, and I think we'll end up seeing a really good field there. Okay, John. Well, um, we've got a new race coming on from. Where is it? It's called the Jurassic Man. Yeah, so how Dolphin um, sent that one in. So another race for the UK, another iron distance race. Yeah, the UK has gone iron distance crazy, John. Yep, and it's going to be in uh, the Anglian in Eastern England as well. So there's, there's two more. There's a Jurassic Man and the Anglian in East Eastern England. Oh, UK crazy. has gone iron distance crazy. Well, they've gone triathlon crazy, haven't they? Have. You know, I was listening to Fight and Talk the other day. That's my, my UK yeah, sports yeah. show I listen to. And uh, Brownleys were getting a mention on that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's pretty much soccer centric, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, the big sports. And to hear the Brownleys boys getting mentioned on that was quite nice. Um, Vineman 7.3. Now, John, we didn't actually get a chance to say good luck to all the people last week with um, Sandy. Yes. And uh, we know we've got a lot, quite a few listeners. I know James Byers, the Wise One Botel, is based in that, um, New York. So. Hopefully you guys got through it okay, because I imagine it was a pretty horrible time. Yeah, I mean, we can sort of empathise with what people have gone through in terms of uh, what we've been through in Christchurch. So um, good folk at 70.3 Vineman. The race sold out in 15 minutes, their 70.3, which they they seem to think is some sort of record. Uh, They're going to be putting up a a slot for the Vineman 70.3. They're going to announce that on vineman.com, and all the money raised from that is going to go to um, to New York, wherever they start raising money for rebuilding stuff. So good on the folks at um, Vineman, and we hope all you guys uh, in New York are going okay. It, It sounds to me... A bit like Christchurch, whereas some areas are just horrific and some areas are not so bad. Yeah, it's, not, it's not good, John. It's not no. good. And, you know, just just we're thinking of you guys because it's pretty, pretty tough right now. And it was pretty, it was just phenomenal watching it, wasn't it? Mm. Man, pretty crazy. So 
thinking of you guys. Hopefully you're okay and um, the community's loving you and sending you our support. John, I to you update. What's the story? Well, I was quite interested. Noosa, the Noosa Triathlon is is an iconic race in Australia, and it has been for for many many years. I can't, I don't know when the first race was held, but it's uh, been around a long long time. What was interesting, and how this is, is good for for I am talk this week, is the field that, that Pete Jacobs was racing, Macca was racing, Crowey was racing. Really, against all the young the young bucks, the ideas. It's fantastic to see some Ironman athletes going over there and actually going, you know, bugger it, we know we race a longer distance, we know we're probably going to get our asses kicked by some of these young bucks, um, but they were out there doing it. It was great to see. And how'd they go? Um, Crowey crashed. Oh, um, so he crashed out. Macca, I think, crashed but carried on. He got, he got ninth. He got ninth. And I think Pete Jacobs, uh, it sounded like he just didn't, didn't quite have it on the day. So <laughs> whilst it's great that they raced, they did all get their asses kicked. They turned up, I'm the champ, I'm the champ. It sounded like Previous it, champ. It, it, was, it was quite a rainy day and it sounds like uh, there was also a bit of controversy before the start because some, some of the Ironman guys were trying to wear their special speed suits and uh, and the ITU guys were going, hey, that's, that's not ITU rules. You know? And the difference in ITU, what you started, and you basically got to be going in in the whole race and there's quite stringent rules about the materials that can be used whereas Ironman's a bit more lax you know you can have your speed skins and stuff over the top and apparently there's the start got a bit delayed and there was a bit of bit of so controversy what, what does they have different gear there? Well I'd, I'd imagine what happened um, is that you know Naked Macca and Crowey and that um, were trying to wear their speed skins and they probably had something underneath and they, they made them take them off I'm guessing it was something like that just saw a little thing with, saw a little thing with um, Macca there well, this is kind of like a B grade race but nowadays isn't it oh uh, they're pretty good they're, but it's not like a it's, it's not a World one. Cup race no. or anything like that, no. But it still just, draws a good field just because it's an Australian race? Yeah, and they, maybe they maybe they pay some good appearance money. I'm not quite sure what Poor the old Joe, every, every Tuesday morning, yeah. she has to go grab the jug from the kitchen, go take it out in the other room because it's too loud. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know? <laughs> anyway, Peter King rang the race, won the race from Ryan Fisher and Taylor Cecil on the girls' side of thing. Ashley Gentle took it out from Felicity, Sheedy Ryan and Liz Blatchford. Caroline Stephan in fourth place on the girls' side of things, beating Nikki Samuels. Nice work, Caroline. Yeah, that's pretty good. John... I've got an email here. I don't know if you see this here. We've got this from Tim Hemming, the great reporter that he oh, is. Yes, yes. And did you read this one? Tim Don's made some predictions, guys. He's made some predictions which are controversial to say the least, John. Not totally surprising, and I'd, I would certainly go along with what he's saying. Well, he's basically saying that he thinks – now, Tim Don, he's 34. It's a great age, although I'm 35 now. How old are you? 36. Uh, it's a suck age. <laughs> um, he basically thinks that by Rio de Janeiro in 2016, the individual race will be completed as a sprint course race. This is at the Olympics, and half the distance of the current format, and he also thinks it'll be a team race as well. Mm. It's a massive change. I, I, I'm almost certain it'll, it'll probably happen. But surely they should be saying now. John just <coughs> needs a cough, yep. Um, well, I think they're working towards it a little bit. Uh, you know, they've got... They have a, they've had a sprint distance champs the last couple of years. You um, yep. <laughs> He's losing the plot. They're, they're making more of a push with the, the relay um, as well. You know, they have a world championships with that as well. It's likely to be in the Commonwealth Games as well. Uh, so sprint distance, what's the distances? 750 swim, 20k bike, 5k run. And it's not like these guys don't do a lot of this. You know, when you look at the French Grand Prix and a lot of the racing in Europe, they've gone that way, gone to sprint distance. Uh, so I wouldn't be at all surprised if, if that is the case. You yourself were commenting last week how much of a bore um, yep. watching the bike riders, and that's a whole hour. Compact that into a one-hour show, as Tim Don was saying much more likely to get the mass audience. And let's face it, um, 
whether they need to do it for the sport as a whole, uh, I don't know. But for the Olympic package, you need something that's going to keep the keep the audience captive. So, John, let's say it happens. Let's say Rio de Janeiro is now a sprint and a team race. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tim Hemming saying, you know, well, actually, it's probably a good thing because if you think about this, if they're going to have a team race to have an Olympic distance race and then a few days later have a team race, mm-hmm. a lot of the athletes are just going to – it's not healthy for them to do that. He's talking about Johnny Brownlee blowing up and mm-hmm. after the race. But – how does it change the sport? Well, in terms of results at the moment, I don't think it changes it um, very don't? much at all. No, uh, I think the same people will be winning at the moment. Uh, you see that uh, the shorter courses, yeah, you're going to get a bit of a change probably in the middle part of the field. You know, some of the guys that can run through with a good, strong, not amazing 10K, they're not going to have that same advantage over the 5K. But in terms of the pointy end of the field, I think you're going to get pretty much the same sort of people winning the races. So, uh, yes, it's going to make it faster, but at this stage, I still think it's going to make it a slightly younger sport as well. You know, you're going to get more of these yep. guys like Lucas Vibricus or whatever uh, coming yep. through probably a bit bit sooner. Guys like Johnny Brownlee, you know, he's probably better at the sprint distance than he is Olympic because he's a bit younger. So I think we'll see the, the sport becoming a little bit younger. My hope is that we see, as Simon Whitfield pointed out when we interviewed him, we see some real diversity on the circuit, and I've said this a number of times. It would be fantastic to have a World Championship Series that has a bit of everything. You've got some sprint races, you've got some killer hard races, Olympic distance races, um, you've maybe got a time trial thrown in there, but it'd be awesome if you had a World Championship Series and at the end of it, the most rounded athlete became the champion of the series. I'd love to see that. Yeah, but what about regards to what will happen to the Olympic distance if it becomes a sprint? Like, Because if they're going to do that at the Olympics, they're going to have a sprint race, mm. then the series surely has to turn into a sprint series. Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go along with that, I would say. But I hopefully, I'm hope that they So, so then is that the death of Olympic distance? Mm, I don't know. You know, because you look at what, what happened when the Olympic cricket. distance came yeah. on. Yeah, we'll look at 2020 now, one day's dying. Yeah. You know, and if but we look... Is, is that just at the really high end like in terms of say you were a club cricketer um, and like, like an age group triathlete would that they'd still be probably playing one day as instead of 2020s I don't know the answer to that I, I don't, yeah I don't know if, if talking for the for the age groupers don't know what would happen there I haven't got a crystal ball today well I'm just thinking if you look at to when Olympic distance came into triathlon like mm. you talk about the heyday of the sport you know in the 90s in Australia where they had or was it the Uncle Toby? The Grand Prix and all yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff. So they had all these big series and, and they were doing all the type of racing you loved and that's what mm. you really fell in love with. And then the Olympics came on and everything died. Mm. And one distance, you know, other than Ironman and a little bit of half Ironman, but really mm. Ironman and Olympic distance became our sport. Now, if they suddenly go, well, let's do a U-turn here and go back to just doing sprints, well, just doing sprints, does Olympic distance become a thing of the past? May well do. I'm not quite sure. It wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me in terms of a race organizer's point of view. It's easier to put on a sprint distance race than it is to yeah. do an Olympic distance race. You can you can do more fields. You know, in terms of wave starts, you can get things rolling a lot quicker. So maybe fascinating times in front of our sport, John. It's good good times, really. Good times. Good times. Yeah. Rock and roll. Okay, we've, this week coming up, we've got Hits Lake. How's that one, John? Havasu? Havasu, in Lake Havasu City in Arizona. You know what they do in this race? They go over the London Bridge. It was their big selling point. In, in in Arizona, yeah, London Bridge. I've got the London Bridge. No, I went, sometimes I go onto the Hits website and they do this cool little um, intro. They have a couple of minutes where they sort of quickly talk through the course and show the highlights of the course. They do look like they've got some really cool venues. And this one, they've built some bridge that looks like the London Bridge and it does look pretty cool. Um, oh, so they built it just for the race? Built it just for the race. Oh, no, nice. it's, it's, whatever town it's being held in, that's sort of the, the iconic little thing. But I thought London Bridge. Anyway, um, good luck to anybody racing Hits. 
Oh, good. And then we've got um, the Phuket, 70.3. This just came out this morning, and it was interesting because I had an email. I can't read it, John, because the way you've written it, it's I terrible. copied and pasted it from a, from a PDF. Yeah. Um, what's interesting here, so, right, Laguna Phuket, uh, last year was Asia Pacific Championships. Yes, big um, field. This year. Pete Jacobs won it, didn't he? Uh, I can't remember. Neither. Um, I don't think he did, but I can't remember. Okay. Uh, so Laguna Phuket this year has been downgraded just back to a 70.3. Yes. Next year, not existing. Oh, and what really? is interesting, I got an email yesterday about this saying there could did be you get some, some inside word, did you? Could be some changes in, in Phuket. Nice. And this is, 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 I thought this quote was quite interesting. Uh, this is from WTC. The capacity of the 70.3 Laguna Phuket is only 800 athletes and demand... Um, and demand for our races in the region is such that we require a venue that can in time grow to become important regional races, said Steve McFessel, Managing Director of Global Race Operations for WTC. We hope our friends at Laguna Phuket find a partner with more experience operating smaller races. Oh, that's not, that's not we love each other, is it? No. And so I... I that's, a, that's a whole... It's not you, it's me. Yeah. No, no, that's me, it's you. Yeah. But let's still be friends. Yeah. Yeah, I'll hold your hand. So, and then um, you see them and you never talk to them. Rumour on the street is a go, there is going to be a different race organiser taking over and I'm not sure whether that is the reason why it's not going to be a WTC race or not, whether they're coming out with this uh, comments um, because they do it, they're only going to want to do big races or whether they've uh, they've lost that race to somebody else. So let's wait and see what happens. Uh, Laguna Phuket 70.3 is in about three or four weeks' time, I think it is. And there will be no race next year or it's just not going to be 70.3 next year? be 70.3 next year. Okay. I think there'll be another race there. That's a bit of inside goss for you guys, eh? There you go. Okay, athlinks.com. Uh, Sponsor, John? Athlinks.com. Um, so you asked the question before, Bevan, who's doing Arizona um, or when is Arizona? And it's in a couple of weeks' time. And Athlinks, cool thing you can do on Athlinks, you can say, I'm doing this race in a couple of weeks' time. You add it to your calendar and Athlinks has a big list of all the Athlinks people doing it and you can put down your predicted times, lay a bit of smackdown talk. And what it does, it actually lists everybody in order of where they're expected to finish, not overall in their overall time, but where they're expected to finish in percentage terms within their age group. And Colin uh, Cagran from... Humble, Texas, USA. He's a humble guy. He's going for a 10.59. He's predicted to go in the top 14.9% in his age group. Which is interesting because he's done a PR of 10.39. Yes. And so he's actually expecting to go slower mm. than his PR. So is Cam Loos from San Diego. He's part targeting nine hours when his PB's 8.54. A Sylvian. Is that, is that one? Sylvian? Yeah, I reckon it is. LeBrenton. Um... They're going for, he's going for a 9.39, John. His PB is 10.07. He stepped it up in this off-season. He did a few yards, got into the pool, did some 6K swims, some 400K bike rides, mm-hmm. some sub-two-hour marathons. That's great rolls. Um, Peter Satchwell, he's been having plenty of pickles because he's from uh, Abu Dhabi. <laughs> he's had so many pickles. He's thinking his PB's 10.32. He's going to go 9.59.30. Yes, his average, John, is 11.02. Yeah. So he's going to have to Tim, try to bring that average down a little bit. Tim Perkins going, Beth Brooks, Peter Bloomgum. Um, Barry Tate. Yeah. Now there's quite a few locals. Uh, Patrick Bliss from Scottsdale, Arizona. Who else you got there, Bevan? I've got Jason McFall. He's done 18 races. Nice work, His Jason. average is 11.08. Owen Bellman making the trip over from Singapore. Jeez, but I tell you what, people who do Arizona love Ethlings, don't they? They do. It's fantastic. You know, Chris Lee. And last one, oh, last one I've got here is Richard E. Riley the oh, second. That's looking, what I wanted. 
he's looking for a two and a half hour PB. He's got a sixteen thirty two. He's from uh, California and he's going for fourteen hours. Forty five, John. Forty five. Nice. Uh, do, would you name your kid after yourself? What's your middle name? William. John William Newsom the second. We were Thomas William Newsom. Yeah. He is actually the second as well as a Thomas Newsom cousin. Is it? Or one of my cousins. Yep. You know Bill Cosby. Yeah, he named all his kids after him. That's mental. <laughs> Seriously, that's just mental. Why? Because <laughs> he's Bill Cosby. Oh, I'm an athlete, so I'm going to click. I've got this thing down the bottom of the athletes page. Uh, run training to 10k. I think I'll go. I need to, I need to train up for 10k. PB, mate. PB, I'll give you a PB. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to basically add add your results, put a bit of SmackDown talk, maybe get your name read out on uh, on IM Talk. Go to athletes.com, sign up, and then in your calendar, you basically put your races that are coming up in there. And uh, good luck to everybody who's doing Arizona next weekend or the weekend after next. John, just while you're on there, someone's on my Facebook page every day and I'm just kind of pulling this up, but I think someone put on there that one of the, let me have a look here, let me have a look. It could be really great and it could be not be really great. So say something just to kill me one minute. Right. Um, we've got our discussion of the week well, coming up. Did you know the story about skins suing? Yes. It's it, stupidity, if you ask me. Stupidity? Mm-hmm. Okay. So skins are basically uh, trying to sue the UCI. Um, Do you think it's just PR from them? Yeah, but I think it's negative PR. I think uh, it, it, I heard the Wait, story. Wait, tell the story because I don't know much about so, it. So skins are basically trying to sue um, UCI for poorly managing the sport in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, and and basically they're, they're sort of saying. So I the, guess, the skins have been a sponsor of. Uh, that's what I'm assuming. Must be. And yeah. and so right rightly pointed out this this became quite. Big, big news, like it was on our radio sport. It was, it was on the news. It was and, on Channel One. Yeah, and yeah. and one of the radio sport um, commentators on the, on the radio said, uh, "Why? Who the hell are Skins to start with?" And secondly, um, I wouldn't have really associated them with cycling as a as a as a layman. Yep. And so, surely, is this not going to do more negative um, PR for Skins? than what they perceived the negative PR they got from being associated with cycling in the first place during the drugs era. Yeah. Um, because... Well, that's funny. You know You know what? I don't I don't associate the drug cheats with the sponsors oh, and, like, I don't oh, look at... at, at a Trek or Nike. Yeah, and think, oh, oh my God. Mm. Like, if Nike had stayed with Lance, mm. you know, you know, there's that moment where Nike kind of still backed him and it was pretty mm. obvious he was a cheat. At that moment, I was kind of like, come on, Nike, sharpen up. Mm. But... You know, if you look back on those times and you go, well, I don't blame I don't blame Trek because they sponsored Lance. And and as we'll discuss in a moment, I think UCI have got some serious issues. I think most people know that. But when you when you when you're suing you know, a world body and you're basically suing them for two million dollars, and you think, well, that two million dollars, if they get it, would that be better off being used to perhaps do something about the drugs and sports? So I think it's a it's a weird move by Skins anyway. Yeah, it was a weird move. So that was my fellow there, Bevan. Okay, discussion of the week, and I can't remember. Someone was, I, I just I think it was Sean um, porno. No, well, well, yes, no, but just someone. I think one of the guys who got like top ten in Florida was forty-five. Okay, something like that. But I can't remember. Someone put it somewhere, and I can't remember where they put it. So sorry, but that's that's that great fact for the week. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, discussion of the week. Where is it, John? I'm trying to find it. So am I. Okay, now that Tyler Hamilton has been, we're getting better on our social networking, but it means we've got to find. Yeah, no, it's uh, hard work now. Yeah. Okay, so basically, uh, Tyler Hamilton's book, it's been out for a few weeks. Porno was wondering what you guys thought about it. And uh, and someone started off saying, who gives a crap? Yeah. Um, porno, who, who started the topic, said disturbing and makes you wonder. Oh, Jeep is my throat today, Bevan. What's up, mate? Do you want a hug? Uh, yep. Disturbing and makes you wonder about all the other more mainstream professional sports, football, track and field, etc., where EPO would be useful. Um, 
and took guts to come out with this, look at all the, oh yeah, I did that too, people like Bianca Reese, etc., still involved in the sport, who didn't have the guts to say they cheated to win their titles, status, etc. Sure, everyone was doing it, it still doesn't make it right. Okay, Greg Penn has got, I read the book with a lot of interest, but was turned off by it. You can't go a few pages without mentioning Lance this, Lance that. Sounds like I am talk, ooh, also Twitch, he's giving us a hard time. I thought it was Tyler's autobiography. I 100% believe Lance doped and duped everyone, but to blame him so deeply while taking so little responsibility feels wrong in a way which to cash in on this disaster. Tyler has not been victimised by the books. Goal for us is to believe that he is by Lance, or he has been victimised by Lance. He is biting the hands that feed him. Uh, Mark Chapman, is it right to line the pockets of a self-confessed drug cheat? I certainly think it's wrong. So I will either borrow the book or buy buy it secondhand. Is that wrong too? Seven Taylor's got, I read the book a couple weeks ago and was blown away by the detail he went into. As with anything in the States, you can be sued over the littlest things and the fact that he wrote it anyway means that there must have been a lot of truth to it. I always knew drugs were rife in pro-cycling back in the day but never realised it was so highly organised. Brian Patton's got an interesting um, argument here. Zero evidence that blood doping even works. Uh, no one of any repute has ever studied it. The, the saddest fact of all of this is it's ruined careers over what is certainly a placebo effect. Don't know if I quite agree with that, but... Yeah, there's one view. Anyway. Uh, Luis Lopez, um, I read it this today. This isn't a solution. It's like trimming the weeds but leaving the roots untouched. If you individualise one problem and just point the finger at Lance, that won't solve the issue. Lance Armstrong isn't the problem of cycling. The problem is the system that allowed it for Lance Armstrong, and it's a huge difference. Uh, Darmade Coffee. Sorry if I got your name wrong there. Darmade, Darmade Coffee. Um, the book's great, a great read. It fleshes out what we always knew about Lance. If anything, it makes him even more interesting in my eyes. Some of us cheer the bad guys in the movies. Lance comes across, across as a real-life Darth Vader or Hans Gruber. Nice. Um, Matthew Bin's got history. Remember Lance. Hamilton will be lucky to be a footnote. Sad but true. Finally for me, Evan Gallagher. Good old Evan. Yeah, oh, yeah. Pete Jacobs, manager. I read it in two nights with my jaw on the floor. Um, you read, it was probably hard reading like that. Yeah. <laughs> you just probably lifted your jaw up. You could have put like, some little contraption around <laughs> yeah, your head to get a, yeah. get, get bandage a, your head up, mate. You would have had a much better time. <laughs> the pressure on these guys was obviously incredible. Doesn't make it okay, but you see it from the perspective of this is my life um, and my heroes. Teammates are all doing it. Um, it is across the board, and either I get out or follow suit. Um, following suit with the other cheats was obviously a mistake. That is clear. However, I have some respect for Tyler opening up, admit the guilt, and telling it as it was is. All in all, a sad state of affairs. My signed Lance jersey is now worth bugger all. Oh, crap. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Jeff, I'll finish up with this one. Uh, I don't like Tyler, but the book reads more or less true. One bit, though, at the end of the book, um, Tyler asks, what professional cyclist at the time would not dope? Well, Scotland's Graham O'Brien signed a pro, but within hours of finding out that doping was expected, he was on the plane home. Tyler does not really think that he did anything wrong, but he seems to skirt over the fact that he continued doping even when he was not allowed to in big races. So mm. I, th- I thought it was a very interesting book. Um, I read it very, very quickly. I think I started reading a few pages in Kona and then basically read uh, yeah, three quarters of it on the, way, on the way, uh, three quarters of on the flight home from, from Kona. Um, so it was really, really interesting. Um, you know, certainly I was always of the belief that 
drugs were, were rife in that era and this sort of vindicated that but just the, the lengths that they had to go to and how things changed after the Festina affair which was uh, 1998 it sounds like prior to that you know the team it was you know the it was, t- it team was, it was already arra- open yeah the teams were arranging the doping and stuff after 98 it became much more down to the riders to sort out their own doping and um, yeah just the lengths that they went to and just some well, of I'm saying that it sounds like Postal or, or the teams that Lance Armstrong were in mm. still organised it you know, like when you look at the blood doping and stuff, they get rooms organised and yeah, but they distance themselves yeah, a bit yep, more from yep. it. Um, they tried to hide it. And basically, if if it was if you got busted, you were you were out on out on your own and yeah. very much ostracised. Uh, so I, th- I thought it was a fantastic read. Um, yeah, there's obviously some serious serious issues in UCI, and I think that's where if cycling is ever going to recover. Um, we <laughs> I'm just checking the time because we don't want to be late for no, interview. We'll be here, we're right. <laughs> um, if cycling's ever going to recover, you've got to start from the top down and get rid of half of those cronies in the UCI, which just sounds corrupt and wrong, and they just ignore the problem, which is largely why it, it sort of stemmed into what it what it became. And you've got to get rid of a lot of the guys that were around in that era that, that, that don't seem to think it was that big a deal, like they're saying, like the Bianca Reeses and all those guys, guys that were blatantly cheating um, and, and knew how the system worked and worked the system, and now they're the managers of all these teams. I think until you get rid of those guys, they're going to have some real issues clearing up. My hope is. Will you still love the Tour de France this year? Yeah, I will. Yep, I'll still watch it, and, and I'll, I'll be lapping it up. Um, my hope, and you've got to live on hope, is, is it looks like it's cleaning itself up a bit. You know, you see the speeds seem to be coming down a bit. You see more guys appearing to crack more regularly, and and that is a sign, perhaps that maybe they're not on on the juice. So I certainly um, have hope that. You know, one argument I've heard, up. and which which I really struggle with. So so um, again, last week I was talking about the interview I heard with the guy. Um, from Belco, which is I might put that on. I'll put that on our website this week, so you guys can download it. It's, it's a very interesting interview. But one argument people are saying is, I want to see superheroes. I want to see, you know, I want to see human. You know, who wants to see a guy who can't ride, you know, so fast or so much power, or who wants to see a guy who can't jump? And I really struggle with that because I love sport because it's about adversity and watching that moment, you know, of character. And it doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter how fast someone is going. Like when you when you watch the great races, it's. Sure, when someone gets a record, it's kind of cool. But when you see two athletes going head to head and pushing themselves to the max, like you know, like Iron War or like Macker and Raylert that year, it, it doesn't matter how fast they're going. It's the challenge that you love watching. And and for me, if human excellence means that we have to have cheats to do it, well, I'd rather not have that. And people say about like having a drug for Olympics. I'm just like, are you serious? I know we're always going to have cheats in the system um, and you're always going to have this going on, but I just think that's bizarre. People go, oh, yeah, that'd be fantastic. I'm like, seriously? Yeah. Well, because the thing is then, if you go, the thing is, because what, what top athletes do is they make us aspire. Mm. So, you know, if we look at the cycling as a sport, you know, before Lance came along around, in Christchurch, in my local area, you never saw road bikes. You know, mm. mountain biking was the thing. And Lance came around and his influence on cycling, you know, has been massive and in profit for cycling has been massive. And that's because this guy made us aspire to something. But if you watch the drug, you know, where Olympics where you could just have drugs, mm. do, do you aspire to the drugs they take? No, you don't. Well, but that would be the thing, wouldn't it? Because yeah. you'd look at someone like Usain Bolt and you'd say, okay, well, this guy's that fast. And what is, okay, what drugs are you on? Because that's the one I have to take yeah. to be great. Yeah. And is that... Uh, John. Back to the topic, Bevan, you, you enjoyed the book? Oh, I thought it was a great book. Yeah, yeah really, really enjoyed it. Um, I do think he does blame Lance quite a lot in it, but yep. I think Lance has taken a lot to blame. Yeah, yep. So it kind of goes both ways. Um, 
I do think I, I was curious to see how much money he's making from it because he's definitely probably doing a right out of the story. Well, that has to be brought up. As you said, all these guys that are that are now distancing themselves from Lance, um, they all made huge amounts of money because of Lance. You know, mm. whether you're on that team, like those guys are on. No, but salaries. I'm thinking he's probably making a lot more money now from the book. Like, how many books has he sold in this last? Yeah. You know, yeah. Hamilton's probably doing okay out of. Yeah. You know, and it'd be nice to see if he were to say the book is a charitable gift. Exactly. You know, and so then it didn't seem as though there is that side of it, which I can understand. Although I don't think his motivation was to make profit. No. I think his motivation was to... Come clean. Yeah, and to get out of those lies. So good read. Um, Yeah, I'd recommend it. It's it's interesting. I highly recommend it. Okay, John. So this week we've had some pretty interesting emails coming through. And there's one uh, to a link on Slow Twitch, Trouble at 70.3 Miami. And it started when Jody Swallow put on Twitter that... Uh, when cheaters are allowed to race, uh, the continue and continue to cheat, confirmed in a race as uh, who was it? Uh, Lisa uh, Houthlier writing second second lap with her boyfriend sucks, and then uh, more people came on Twitter who were racing and basically said that, yep, they saw it out there. It was pretty much cheating all day out there, and uh, and so she was she uh, has recently been. Had, had, Served a drug ban. Um, Who Lisa well. has? Yes. Uh, so she's not. No one has been the most ethical athlete. Yeah. Yep. Yes. So she did serve a ban in uh, around about October '08 or into '09. She had a two-year ban and admitted taking drugs. Um, but um, my my sort of interest in this discussion of the week, this week, is is to try to figure out whether you guys have got solutions for drafting. Now, I have sympathy for people who end up in big packs coming out of swims. Yeah, sometimes it's pretty unavoidable. But And the sad thing, the thing I find most frustrating about that situation is that you, all your energy goes into how do I not draft? Mm. You know, not as in how do I have a good performance today? And what's alleged in this case is that Lisa was basically more or less lapping it out with her boyfriend. Now, Andy Furich or Furich, maybe? Yeah. So, um, my question to you guys is, is do you have a solution for drafting in general? And if somebody... How can you just, I don't know, can you distinguish between blatant drafting or, I, I don't know, uh, how should blatant drafting be penalised? Well, so, so, Jody Swallow, the, so Twitch obviously got into contact with her and she said, while she was in second place at around 30 miles into the race in Miami, I was passed by a guy, number 40, and Lisa. It was incredibly flat and so had limited resources to respond to their pass. However, this was further disabled by the fact that the two were clearly operating as a bunch of two. Uh, For the time I could see them riding away on the return leg, a fully functioning team with the man looking back over his shoulder every turn of 20 seconds to protect his girl. So it was based on what these guys are saying, it's cheating. Mm. It's out and out cheating. Like, and like I know a few years ago, you know, for Yvonne Van Lurken, there was that whole was Thomas helping Yvonne in races, mm. and um, and you know, and there was a, you know people were questioning because they would race the same races and they're of similar speed, and uh, people were kind of questioning. It. I know when we did road, mm. um, Yvonne could ride by herself. You know, mm. like we we oh, kind yeah. of experienced it in the real world, and we could yeah. see that she wasn't cheating. But in this situation, it seems as though they made a conscious choice to cheat mm. and so I suppose the question is John how do you want to word this question yes what I initially put was uh, how do you stop drafting how can we stop drafting <laughs> not, not my greatest work <laughs> I said I was going to be strong this week and have good content we've started off a good show <laughs> I've just fallen down a crumble. <laughs> I suppose let's do two things are there ways we can stop drafting? Mm-hmm. And when there's blatant drafting, because in that situation, that's blatant drafting, mm. if, that, if that's really what happened. Now, that's blatant drafting. Should it be more than just a four-minute penalty? Like a, yeah, 
whether you can give a ban or is it a DQ like straight away or is, is there a ban period or if you've been seen to be actually drafting you know to use and, and obviously only f- most females could do this where they could get a male to ride with them I've got one here we go he's found it should uh, should there be should some race referees be mounted with video cameras so you can get some video evidence well nowadays it'd be really easy yeah, yeah. If you can and go, cheap I know you you couldn't possibly measure it, but if you've got a, if you've got referees out there in, in the pro race, maybe it's going to be challenging to do it in the age group. But if you're following the pro race, um, and if you can be accused of blatantly drafting, I don't know you'd have to come up with some rules around that. Um, whether there could be some sort of ban or something like that, the or problem is that, is that a dumb idea. Well, no, it's, it's probably not. But the problem is, is that when you're drafting. I'm sure you're looking around the whole time watching to see if someone's mm. going to come up and then someone comes up and you pull back. Like it's that one of those things that you're never going to catch because well, it's hard to catch because people, you know, are going to be aware. Like as, as um, Jody Swallow was saying, you're turning around every 20 seconds and obviously part of that was to check where the draft busters were. Mm. So disappointing, but I think because, what you know, like how can you get to the end of the race? I think she got second in the race too. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. 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 So how can you get to the end of the race and feel you had a good day? When you know you've cheated so blatantly. Mm. We live in a funny world, John. Yep. What's happening to our world, John? I believe the children are our future. Okay, well, there you go. So that's this week's discussion. How do they stop drafting? And if there's blatant drafting, should there be more than a four-minute penalty? And if so, what would and, that be? And then be? Uh, do, do, uh, cameras on the referees a good idea or not? And cameras, okay. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to it? Um, how much training should Bevan do this week? <laughs> <sighs> you see my video? I did, I did, I didn't look at it though. I saw oh, it. What's the love? So he posted. Look, I put a video. I got remember about six months ago on the show we were getting some videos taken off us, and it's actually up there now. Took a while to produce that. <laughs> well, no, the problem was they produced it, and they, 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 so it was these young kids who come to my classes, and they're at broadcasting school. Well, got sore ears. Got sore ears. <laughs> he always wanted the earphones, <laughs> so I finally sorted him out his earphones, and now he's taking them off because they're sore. Just the right one more than the left. Uh, you can loosen it, pull it up a little bit. Yeah, no, it's, not, it's just my ears. I've got okay. sensitive ears. Okay, it's a sensitive soul. But anyway, so they came along and they did this video, and they did a really, it was for the, like, they do a small doco, and uh, they did it on me, and it was really nice, and they made it, but they wanted to use some of my Les Mills footage, and I said, whatever you do, you can have the video, but you can't have the music because they license mm-hmm. it. So they finally sent it to me and the music was on. I was like, oh, I can't use it. And so it took about six months to get it. But um, I put it on the Facebook page. I put it on our website this week. You can check it out. It's just showing what I do in my world. So anyway, do you want to put some music on? Um, nah. You don't know, it's age group of the week. Well, it's not really age group of the week. It's more just a future it's, Okay, future it's an future announcement it's for an announcement Is anyone up there this week? Um, I'll go and check. Okay, so what we've been doing, when we're in Kona, we're thinking, what are some ways we can help build our community more? And and we know that you guys love the show, which is really great, but we also thought, well, how can we get you guys more involved with the show? And I thought, well, we thought that what we should do is we should have some way to recognise when you guys have done an Ironman. So what John Wynn did, is, and he's done a really good job of this, is on our website, if you go to www.iamtalk.me, I'm just pulling up the site right now, if you pull that up, here we go, iamtalk.me, great website, that one. And if you go there and you look up all our our headers at the top of the page you've got about you know interview archive store sponsors and all the rest of it to the very right hand side we now have community and it says tell us about your iron finish and what it is is basically you go on there you put on what Ironman race you did what date you did it your name if you have an Ironman talk not am talk nickname you can put that in there so we make sure we say that name of the race your time and was it a PR and then what we're going to do is each week on the show we're going to go on and say who did an Ironman last weekend 
Yes. So, and generally we're going to just do that at the end of the show. Yeah, and it will just be a bit of a quick kind of fun thing. But we just kind of wanted to give some love to you guys who are actually out there doing the racing. So, once you've done your Ironman race, basically go on there, and every week before the show, we'll check out the list. And it's got to be an iron distance race. An iron distance race. Have you got any there yet? We have. Yes. Uh, first one is. I want uh, to see them. Okay. Uh, John Newsom, Big Daddy, and he did an 841. 841? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, Where was that? It was at uh, uh, Challenge Christchurch. Challenge Christchurch. <laughs> um, and it That's was, a hard race too. It was. Because yeah, yeah. you have to climb all the buildings that yeah, have fallen yeah, over. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now we had Brent Shepard who did Florida, and he did 1341, and it was PB. Nice work. Good work, Brent Shepard. So he's obviously checked our Facebook page. And so I did say, it, uh, normally, well, no, it was always going to have to be iron distance race, but we didn't necessarily stipulate that. Um, previously, so Mark, Z- Mark Zanka went up there and he did the Murray Man at the weekend. He did four nineteen, so it is going to be Iron Distance. So Murray, stuff. I mean, what was his name? Mark Zanka. Mark Zanka, you probably are going to be the only person ever to get away with doing a seventy point three distance. Yes. So, so who was it? Brett, Brett who? Brett Shepard. Brent right Shepard. Brett down in Florida, PB, love your work. Nice. So guys, so what you do is go to imtalk.me, you go onto our community page, click on the John's done a great little web form there, push submit, and each week we're just going to have who are the IM Talk IM finishes. That's nice. going to bring to it, isn't there it? There you go. So there we go. Okay, now I'll put some music on, John. Oh, I don't need to, it's a high five. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I've done a high five. I know. Warm up, warm up, limber, limber. <laughs> don't want any injuries. Do my shaking like Elvis. <laughs> you like that? And go. One, two, three, four. High five. There we go. Go. We need to do video uh, podcasting. <clears throat> I was about to pull my neck, I think, on that one. Yeah. Spat away my computer screen. <laughs> <laughs> James the Wise One Patel, he always goes, there's great content. And when he sent through this one, he always gives a prediction if John will pick it to be on the show because mm. John decides what's going to be on the show. And, and I think he said 10 out of 10 on this one. And I agree because this is gold. So if you haven't been following the American elections, Basically, the vice president for the Republican Party is a guy called Paul Ryan. And Paul Ryan ran a marathon about 20 years ago. And he reported to people that he'd done around a sub three hour. Yeah. You know, and he, and he thought that he might have done a 255, you know. Obviously, he was a pretty good athlete in his time. Well, when the reporters went and did their work, and maybe went on athletics probably, yeah. and they went and checked out his time, and it actually turned out his time was 401. <laughs> you don't forget things like that. <laughs> and so, and James actually sent through a funny website. It's called the Paul Ryan Marathon Calculator. This is brilliant because I, I am now the world's fastest marathon runner. So you can okay. basically put in your time. You I think it's like a 242 mine's best. Um, mine's 238 and my distance is marathon and I'm a male. And so 238 under the Paul Ryan time calculator for me means... Oh, I've uh, done a 203, mate. <laughs> no, my, my ma- Paul Ryan adjusted marathon time is oh. 154.33. Congratulations, you've set a new world record. Oh, that's gold. Mine's 157, so you're faster than oh. me. But I did mine before yours, so yeah. I've got the world record as well for a few yeah. minutes. And I broke it. Yes, nice. this is absolute gold. So that's um, paulryantimecalculator.com. I'll put a link to that on www.imtalk.me. And so basically, then James thought to himself, well, why don't I do a high five on... If you're going to fudge it. Yeah, how can you put up a bogus time? So you can go first, John. Number one, make sure it's plausible. Would people check a 3-hour 45 time? Mm, maybe not. A 2.55 raised slightly more interest than I think Mr. Ryan wanted. Don't create too much interest in your result that people will check it. Probably not a good idea to do it when you're trying to be the you know the vice president of America. Yeah. Just, just you know, where just credibility saying. kind of is important. Don't overstretch your actual time. Sure, who hasn't had their best round about 10 hours? Or yeah, I have to say, might have been closer to nine. So when people ask me my Ironman time, I say I'm a nine-hour guy. 
905, you know. <laughs> I never say sub eight, so yeah. I allow myself with that. I nearly qualified for Boston, etc. Knock on off a few minutes is an artful use of effect, but especially effective at psyching out the opposition or attracting extra attention at the tri club gathering. But an hour, it just looks like you're a douchebag. <laughs> Uh, number three, so doubt. Create slight doubt in your audience and the feeling that they could never verify the quote at uh, the time. Quoting some Bonnie Town marathon or a poo dunk half marathon <laughs> is a great idea. Small races are open to issues with distance and timing and probably don't have a historical results page. James, this may be your best work ever. It is. Uh, number four, create a diversion. Giving your results immediately uh, referenced. Oh, wait a second. When giving your results, immediately reference some other number that is our amazing and changed topic. It means that your little lie will be registered by your audience as a fast time, but hard to remember in detail because their heads are buzzing with a bunch of different numbers. Nice. Nice. Uh, number five, this should be a no-brainer for any I Am Talk listener. Just do what John... Hey, James, it's J or H-N, you monkey. Um, <laughs> you're in trouble. What, uh, listener, what do John and Bevan talk about every week? Check Athlinks. Make sure your Athlinks account is hidden or that the event <laughs> would not show up under a search of your name. What self-respecting listener hasn't used that to check out the competition? And lastly, make sure you're not running to be a leader of the free world. The highest political office in the biggest country with thousands of free presses and loads of opposition reporters waiting to fact-check everything you say and have ever done. Just saying. Nice. That is, James, that, that, you've done some great work for the show over the years, but that definitely has to go in your top three pieces. Right up there. John, any thoughts on that? Uh, I, I have to say, James, you do seem to be very good on this topic. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit concerned with your result times. <laughs> um yeah, no, lying never gets, lying always comes back to bite you in the bum at some stage. Comes back to bite you in the bum, guys. But if you are going to lie, use a few of James' tips. There exactly. we go. Okay, sponsor. So SLS uh, Try, we were down at Ironman Florida um, at the weekend and uh, saying uh, a couple of listeners went up there and said hello to them. Or there's a picture of Ken Glow when you go on their Facebook page from Endurance Sport Travel. Nice. Well, actually, if you go to our Facebook page, John, mm. you, and I think it was, it was Rob, Rob Green. Green, Spine Tingler. Spine tingler Rob Green, yep. he's got the photo, he's got the I Am Talk jersey on with the SLS guys. Exactly. Oh, um, had and, some compression gear. And they had, uh, he bought some compression socks here, he was saying. Now they had a competition on their Facebook page, which I'm just trying to find, um, about who was going to win, or what was the w- woman's winning time going to be in Florida. And he basically, if he won that, and I'm just trying to find it, so, uh, it's great podcasting. Great yeah, podcasting. Keep it up, John. Um, so what? Yvonne Van Vlerken won in eight yeah. eight fifty one. Let's see if anybody got close. Oh, we had Andy Russell eight fifty eight. Isn't Yvonne Extreme Endurance as well? She is. Yeah. Yep. Um, Christine Chila. She said eight fifty three. Not quite. Oh, some close. Um, this is a great topic. Anyway, what are, eight, you, what, eight, are you, eight, what are we trying to achieve here? I'm trying to see who who got closest. Looks like Richard. Moreno, 8.53. So I think he will have got a free pair of... Jeez, mate, you're losing the plot, aren't you? You used to be sharp. Anyway. You used to be really clever and onto it. Now you sneeze your life away. You sound like an old man. Richard Moreno, 8.53. I think he got closest to Yvonne's winning time. But anyway, um, SLS try. If you want to give them a bit of love... What was that that all that about? They won a pair of socks. Whoever whoever got closest to, to the time won a pair of socks. Oh, great. There you go. 
So that's where I was trying to get to oh, okay. in my little confused world. Love your work. Um, but it'd be great if you guys can share a bit of love with uh, SLS and, and all the sponsors by just posting stuff on their Facebook page. If you've got a tri suit or if you've got any of their gear, um, flick it up there or just say that you love the fact that these guys are involved with uh, with what we do. And one thing I would say is uh, in the gear. End, end of season, you know, there's always going to be a few more sale items. If you go to slash slash sale hyphen items or just go onto their page, you'll, you'll find. Bunch of stuff on there on sale. Always looking for a bargain. They've got some nice bib shorts on there. I do like bib shorts. The only problem with bib shorts, John, is when people see you wearing compression them, bib shorts. Eh? Yeah, bib shorts rock. I do like bib shorts. Mm. I was out somewhere. I was at the gym, <clears throat> and someone saw me in my bib shorts. Something wrong with your, your throat there, eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's contagious. Yeah. And uh, they look. You look like a, a bit of a dork, John, when you've got them on. That's why you wear a top over the top. Oh, is that what you meant to do? Yeah. Oh, that's where I've been going wrong. Oh, we should have a tip of the week when you wear it. I, I, I have been busted once not running in bib shorts. Oh, you were running in them? In Hong Kong. I think it was the first time Gordo saw me. <laughs> saw this big hairy chest running past in a pair of bib shorts. He thought, who's that freak who doesn't even look like an athlete? <laughs> I've never done that. I always pretend I'm a professional wrestler. Yeah. There is a bit of that, isn't there? When yeah. you put your bib shorts on, you do kind of do the Hulk Hogan pose. Well, at least I do. Yeah. Anyway, if you need some good uh, some good gear, go to slstry.com, uh, use the code IMTALK, get yourself a nice healthy discount and uh, and show them a bit of support because they love supporting the show. If you could have been a professional wrestler, who would have you been? We're talking WWF here, yeah, are any, we? Any of all time, John? Mm. The um, Fabulous Rouge Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember them? Vaguely. Yeah. They were from Quebec, Canada. <laughs> Those guys. Fabulous, I don't know. Just pulling one out. <laughs> well, yeah, would have been the Ultimate Warrior. Did you like Hulk Hogan or Ultimate Warrior better? Uh, probably Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I was a bit of a Hulk. Fan. Ultimate Warrior. I think he just took a few too many <laughs> drugs. He was, so he was. You see those veins? I thought they were about to jump out of the screen and eat you up. He must have been so fit for this because he came out with so much energy. Jeez, yeah. I used to love wrestling. Okay, um, let's put some music on. Coach's Corner, sort of. Sort of. <laughs> John's promotion, basically. No, it's not really promotion. It's basically, there's going to be some good community stuff. Okay, so well, let me start off here. John, he told me, once you've had kids, you're not going to do Ironman for another 10 years. Mm. And that 10 years has been compressed mm-hmm. into, what, four years? Uh, Thomas is five now. He'll be six next year. Six. When was the last time you did Ironman? Uh, wrote, that was 2008. It's about four or five years. Yeah. yeah. But we've been to Kona a few years now we've been three times. We've done it three times. Three yep. times as, as media. And the first couple of times haven't been motivated to, to go back and do. It. I'm like, no, I'm not really motivated to do this. Um, <laughs> in terms of Kona itself, because I've always, if I, I thought if I always, if you I'm going to go well. back to Kona, I want to do it well. Yep. And then st- things started falling in place for 2014. You know, I'm going to have my Kona camp um, over there in 2014, and it's going to be around the island tour to Kona. The vision started. That was that was something cool. It's going to be a slightly different twist on that. If you want to do that, just uh, well, get there's a different me. twist. Well, we're basically going to bike around the island. Oh, so, so you're no, not normally do... I go on my Kona camp and we do the Ironman course and we do some co- really cool rides, which is what we did last year and we're doing this year. But next in 2014, we're basically going to start in Kona, first day ride the Ironman course, and then we're going to circumnavigate the island. How long does that take? Uh, a couple of days. We'll head, head around to Hilo, stay two nights. So it'll still be an eight day camp, but you'll do the yeah. island. Oh, and cool. you'll still get to do all the Ironman course, but we're going to basically ride a lap of the island, do the Ultraman course. Nice. So I think that's cool. And that's going to springboard into. Um, 
later in this season are going to do Epic Camp. Epic Camp Canada. That's going to be a twelve day camp. That's going to be full on. You need to be fit for that one, don't I you? I need to be fit for that. And I'm going to come out the other end of it being very fit. I'm thinking, well, I've got to do something with this fitness. And that something's going to be Kona. But John, you have to qualify for Kona. So I'm going to do Ironman New Zealand 2014. So wait a second, you're going to do Ironman New Zealand before you do all your camps? Yep. But I'll be, I'll be fit for that. I'll be fit enough. Oh, look at Mr. Cocky here, eh? <laughs> hey, little Mr. Cocky. You haven't got confidence in yourself. They've also, as, as it turns I out... I mean, you didn't probably have one spot by then. You see, Bevan, this is where things just automatically start falling in place in my, my lovely little world. I mean, New Zealand 2014, 30th anniversary. More slots. More slots. Nice. <laughs> it's all falling into place. What and happens if you don't qualify in New Zealand? Do you go somewhere else? Well, I do have a slight backup plan is because I'll be in... in uh, Hawaii Kona for the Kona 70.3 they've got slots there you've yep. generally got to win your age group which is again okay, you're Mr Cocky um, I'm not <laughs> saying I'm going to win my age group but I'm saying there would be slightly more motivation okay. so it's all falling into place I'm thinking I'm going to do Kona in 2014 and I'm thinking okay John if you're going to do it you're going to do it properly aren't you I want to try to do it as, as best I can okay so what would what would be the goal could you podium um, that is going to be the goal come on John Yusim yeah, come on I think that's going to be a bit of a stretch but it's not if, – if I get in really good shape, I think top five is not beyond the rounds. Of John, I would love it if you got top five. Mm. If I, you got top five, I come up on stage with you? Because I could do an interview from the stage. Okay, we'll try that. We might be able to get up. No, we won't be able to get the – you don't get in the VIP area for being a top five. Um, well, we've got media passes. We can do whatever exactly. we want to do. But, but, John, if you got up on stage and I got up and give an interview saying, what's it like right now being on stage with <laughs> all these other people? And, you know, Bob Bebbard and, and – I can Mike pretend Riley. I'm blind and you need to be my minder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and everyone give even more phenomenal. Um, oh, John, this is going to be the best ever. And so this, this sort of started the seed. I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to find time to train to start with? And I just sort of had to start getting things in place. And then I thought, well, I want to, sh- you know, you guys are going to be on the journey to a degree as, as I'm going through this. And I yep, think you you, you'll, you'll quite us. enjoy it. Um, but then I thought, well, I'm going to set up a website and basically have John's Project 2014. Oh, it's what's, what's the website's name? I haven't got that yet. Project 2014. It's going to be something like that. Yes. And so it's going to start in around about January time, once I've got my triathlon this year out of the way. And it's basically going to be around about a, an 18-month to 20-month project of trying to get me as fast as I can for Kona, doing age group type hours. Um, and I've got, uh, I'm going to, I've got a new bike coach coming in, coming into play. A coach? Uh, yep. Who are you going to use? Uh, I'll, 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 I'll oh, reveal. see, this comes out in the Project 2014. Yeah. Um, I'm going to basically be having all power files up there, all GPS files. Basically, every single session that I do is going to be straight up onto this website so people will be able to follow that journey. And if people want to copy what I'm doing, they're welcome to do that. Um, I'll be doing weekly blogs on there. And it's basically going to be my journey of, of, of getting fast and also trying to look for every means possible I can to get faster. So essentially trying to buy time. So you know, I'm thinking of th- going things like the heat chamber. You did that once down yep. south. So I can be working hot. out my, my sweat rates and all that sort of stuff. Um, trialing different, different equipment. Um, doing a lot with power, trying some different things there. And so I kind of thought it'd be fun for everybody to be on it. Um, I am looking for sponsors. That's the catch. I'm looking for sponsors to be involved with that. So if you're if, if your company you work for or anybody you know you think you might be interested in that, um, get in touch with me. But um, I'm looking to essentially try to buy myself some, some extra time to do training. But I'm only looking at going to be doing you know 15 hours training a week in, in the build-up. Come so, on, you'll do more than that, closer to it. I, I would hope I will, um, but I've got to be realistic. Life is... Family first, work second, training's still going to be third. No, I think we go Project 24, 2014, 
family somewhere waiting. <laughs> Divorced three years later. Blinda has tentatively agreed to the plan. Because um, she's, she's project manager, really, isn't she? Well, she's I, I, I slapped a sponsorship proposal in front of her yesterday and said, oh, can you just read this? And she goes, what's this project 2014? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know. Um, so anyway. I love you. The first line in the project is, I love Belinda. <laughs> so that's going to be project 2014. They'll probably be kicking off around January time, but I am looking for sponsors um, to be involved with that. So I'd be interested to see how Joe would take it because Joe, Joe and I started seeing each other just before I did wrote. Mm. And so she kind of got to experience, but we weren't living together. We, you know, we were very much in the early stage of our relationship. And, um, and so she probably experienced a three-month period where I was training for an Ironman. But at that time in my life as well, I didn't have many other commitments. I could train most mm. of the day and, and go see Joe at night. It'd be interesting to see... Well, especially now that she works from home, but... Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see how that transition for... If I went back to doing Ironman-type training, where you know, because I, I was a big volume trainer as well. I don't know if I'd do the same nowadays, but um, it'd be interesting to see how how that would affect our relationship, yeah. you know, or, or the impact, or good or bad. But yeah, it would be interesting to see. It will be. Mm. I'll, I'll be able to report on that. You will be exactly. Date night starts again tonight. I've reinstigated date night. Oh, what are you going to do every tonight? Second, uh, we're going to go to Bamboozle around Summoner for dinner. Every second Tuesday is going to be date night now. Why is that? Because you need a babysitter Tuesday night? No, I just chose a night of the week. So so why why Tuesday? Because it's just... Tuesday's good because you get cheap, cheap movies on a Tuesday night. Yeah, there will be a few movies in there. John, if you go movies, readings, it's way cheaper. Right. Yes, just sweet. Of a crush it. So Project 2014, need some sponsors. Come on, people. Support me. Okay. Hey, if we get enough money, we might even get Bevan on board as well. Look, if, if you can get enough money, I'll do it as well. There we go. There we go. You, you got no hope. Um, okay, challenge. Sponsor. Would you do it if I got enough money? Would you do it? I have to admit, the idea of doing Epic Camp was really appealing, but then it sold out. So I was like, "We'll find a space for you. I can, I can always find a space for from my boys." I have to admit, the idea of turning up to Epic Camp with the boys and doing it again, I'd probably have to commit six months of my life training for Epic Camp, wouldn't I? Look, I, I, you, you need. Yeah, ten to fifteen. You need twelve to fifteen hours training a week. That's yeah. about what I'm going to be doing. Yeah, but, but for about six months, yeah, just yeah. before yeah. Epic Camp. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I could just turn up and qualify for an Ironman mm. at this stage. You know, mm. like I don't, I'm, I'd probably be close to ten hour guy right now if I were to kind mm. of just try and do an Ironman now. Um, I'm going to be on my game to qualify. You probably will have to be. Well, you know, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm how many slots, mm. Sarah? You know, like I'll in Ironman New Zealand, how many would they have in our age group? Uh, I'd imagine probably four. four to five. Yeah, four to five. Yeah. Oh, you'd be all right. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be aiming to be in a 9.15 shape for, yeah. for, for first start for, for qualifying. New Zealand. See, for me, I'd have to be pretty sharp to be 9.15. I'd probably get 9.30 and hope. Mm. And then if I trained, and then if I really went focused, I don't think I could have a podium in Kona, but I don't think I've got that next level in the swim, and my swim really hurts me in Kona. But... Um, it's all happening, people. It's all happening. It's Day one started yesterday. Did uh, five hill reps with Phil and Nato up, up and down Rapaki Track. Hand to a howling southerly. How'd that go? It's good. I'm doing 10 hours training this week. Nice. You look focused. Uh, and he's, every week I've just noticed recently he's been wearing his Ironman qualifiers t-shirt. I think it's like a subconscious message. So I wear it every day of the week. It's just exactly. He just gets there. up in the morning. I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> okay. Sponsor Extreme Endurance. I guarantee you'll be taking this. I guarantee I will. Well, I've just, I'm just about to start coaching a new guy. Um actually this week and uh, he did a half marathon at the um, the weekend before and uh, he sent me an email I said oh my legs are really sore and I said mate you've got to get on the extreme endurance and I said seriously I'm not actually just saying that you've got to get on the extreme endurance because that is one thing big difference is, is your muscular soreness post races you know if you're one of those people you do a half marathon I'm certainly used to be in this camp 
if I do a half marathon or a really hard run, I remember that one of the most recent ones for me, I did a, as a 15k race. I could seriously hardly walk after the race um, for, for quite a few days. Um, extreme endurance, once I was on that, boom. What did no you take it I don't think they were sponsored then. It was a, it was a little while ago. Oh. Or either that or I wasn't on it. Um, I can't remember. Um, but also Execute they've got as well. Great way to um, for, for post-training, pre-training um, drink, which is also going to help in terms of your, your protein. Um, they've got 20 grams of protein providing superior bioavailability. It's got lactics, got... Um, Lowers exercise-induced body acid, greater muscle recovery and repair, provides continuing energy source, decreased muscle burn, and it's got admin vitamin, added vitamins B6, B12, vitamin D, and electrolytes. Plus, it's got a great taste. Um, so get your Execute on there as well as your Extreme Endurance, and go to xendurance.com. And uh, if you're in the UK, you can then select your country and all their shipping, etc. through Europe now is uh, is much easier now that they've got a UK distributor. Um, it's always been good, good through Europe, but for you, and we know we've got lots of UK listeners, you can get it on there now as well. So if you want to reduce the muscle burn, reduce your post-training and racing soreness, go to xendurance.com. Love your work. Okay, so uh, music, oh, music, I'll put some music on. Yes. Okay, here's some music. Um, music. Side of the week, John. Did you like that music? Yep, it was, it was awesome. It was kind of serious. Eh? It was called the Chase. I like that. Yeah, Graham Stewart. Oh, what? I, 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 I thought I've lifted our game this week in terms of our preparation. I thought we were in good show so far. Yeah. I didn't look at website of the week, so we're going to do this on the hop. Oh, John, you, you see the standard high. I know, but this could. And be you've quite taken a, a spontaneous moment. Yes, yes. Graham Stewart. He's got a website called GrahamStewart.com, and I have to say it's a pretty good website. Mm-hmm. He's got a, yeah, it's good, check it out. He's got some good blog posts on there. He's got some good science, some good coaching. He's got some good Facebook. Yep. He's just talking crap. Anyway, uh, he's created this thing called a cycling nutrition cal- calculator. How many gels should I take on the bike? So basically what you do is you go on there, you put your weight in and your target power, and this will calculate to tell you how much you should use of these most popular products when to meet your requirements. We estimate um, bike weight. Oh, 10 kg, so obviously it needs to be a little bit different. You need to figure it out. But basically what you do is you go to his website and you put in your weight. What's your weight right now, John? Well, that's what I'm doing now. It's, uh, I would call it, call it 70 kgs. 70 kg, all muscle that is. Mm-hmm. And power? It's, it's just put in 200 watts. Really? Let's just put in a number. But you'd be more than 200 watts, wouldn't you? Well, just put in 200 watts. Okay. What's your, what, calculate, okay. What's your favourite... Gel. Oh, I'm gonna go for a high five. Go for a high five. Using high five, you will need to consume one gel every 12, 12 to twenty minutes in order to cover your nutritional needs. I don't remember taking this product more than every fifteen minutes. Don't recommend. Yep. Um, if this is not within the required range, you may need to find better results with another product. So what he's done basically is you put your weight in, you put your power in, and then basically you put your product in. So if you want to go for like a goo gel, mm-hmm. then you can do that one there as well. You calculate that there. And he will then tell you, for that one, you want to take one every 13 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 13 to 21. But he's also got to, don't recommend you take this product more than every 17. So you'd obviously want to go more than 17. So one of the cool things he's done, though, he's got a table down the bottom and it tells you um, how many kilocalories, um, the carbohydrate uh, type. You know, So like the high five is glucose plus fructose, which we've heard from 
um, a number of people is, is obviously the way to go, um, whereas some are just glucose. Uh, it's got variety of other things on there as well so i would say on this it's telling me i need to be consuming a gel approximately every 12 to 20 minutes yep. i know when i did uh was racing iron distance races i'd be taking it roughly every 20 minutes or so i'd be taking around about three gels per hour um so it's it, i'd say in general terms what I, i'm saying to athletes is you want to be taking something around about every 25 to 30 minutes for most athletes um in an iron distance race do you go with the the one gram of carbohydrate per I use that as a ballpark starting starting place. It's about learning yourself, but mm. and I mean you definitely get your nutrition right. And so it's just a cool little calculator he's put up there, and you can kind of go on there and figure out. You know, let's say you do like using your high five product, you can go check that out. But it's uh, isotonic. That's the one with the water in it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So uh, that seems to be pretty good as well. So go on there, check it out. We'll put a link to it on our website www.imtalk.me. It's grahamstewart.com slash cycling nutrition calculator. I think he did. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yep, thank you, Graham. Nice. Oh, he actually sent it to me on, my, on his Facebook page. I thought that oh, could be a website of the week. Okay. Questions and answers. Okay, Norman Driscoll, what's all that about, John? Well, that was the article we were supposed to bring up last week. He was the guy featured in the oh. 220 magazine. And I've got this in our um, in our press coverage here. So, Norman Driscoll, he did the ultimate Cage challenge. Partner. Yes. Uh, Ironman Wales marked the fourth and final race in Norman Driscoll's ultimate challenge for UK Ironman's full or half over the course of 13 weeks so it's pretty good effort he did uh uk 70.3 and wimbledon 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 i'm in uk and bolton i'm in 70.3 in ireland galway and there must have been one other way and there's even a photo of Kate in here with him. Yes. Oh, they in love. At least Norm's wearing the flipping blue 70 helix. Kate, what's the deal wearing two times you? Oh, Kate sharpen up. Let's support it. So anyway, um, Norm got an awesome bit of coverage. And oh, why, but the cool thing is, this? it's a great photo. It's, well, it's a great article, isn't it? It's really cool. Must have been Iron Man Wales, I think, was the fourth one. Yeah, but, well, I think he may have won it. Norm, read it. Oh, maybe this last one. But he's wearing Iron Man Talk. I am oh, talk. 24. Oh, oh, you oh, just, just pulled out time. back in time. And uh, he's wearing his tri-suit. Nice. I am talk tri-suit. Looking sharp, too. Looking very sharp. Looking sharp. So if you do, guys, we really want to see some um, pictures of the tri-suits, the bike jerseys and things like that. Post them up on our Facebook page. And even better, if you can get yourself a two-page spread in a magazine like um, this one, I think it's 220. He um, wins currently, doesn't he? Yeah, you, you win. You okay, well, Norm is 37. Yes. He's a global service director for Razorfish. Nice. His best discipline is the bike. He loves the bike, John. Hates yes. to run. Worst yes. discipline. Why race? To complete the ultimate challenge. Nice. So well done, Norm. Yes. Awesome effort. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome effort on your races. Look, he's got all the four medals in the poster there as well. Mm, very cool. Well, five. Is it five? Four. Four. Five? How many do you do? Four. 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 Love your work. You won our media award. Yes. There we go. The, the, the I Am Talk Media Award. Yes. You, you don't win anything for it, just the pride. Okay, Zen Triathlon, John, what's this about? Well, this was something I saw on um, good old tryrating.com. Good old... Um, Torsten. Torsten there. And he, he did a little post for uh, Zen, The Art of Triathlon, which is another podcast. I can't say I've, I've listened to it, but... Um, well, they were like the people. first triathlon yeah, podcast. No, they were out for a long time. And uh, they've done a thing on fast couples, who and how much, and they basically added up some of the times from uh, from Kona this year. And the fastest couple in Kona this year were David Dallow and uh, oh, Caroline Stephan, 1752. Um 
oh no, only about three minutes. Oh really? Miranda Carfrey and Timothy O'Donnell were second in oh, seventeen fifty five. And the Wirtles, and then the Wirtles there were nineteen twenty nine. Um, what was interesting though, they'd also done some previous research in terms of who was the fastest of all times, and uh, Caroline and David come in there second, but Tom Lowe and Chrissy Wellington oh, of um, took that out. Uh, Sixteen la- minutes must have been last year, seventeen twenty five when Tom Lowe went eighteen thirty four. Uh, 8.34 and she went 8.51 What about Guy Crawford and Gina Crawford? Well, that's the one that I thought was pretty funny <laughs> In ninth place, uh, Guy Crawford and Gina Crawford in 18.52 Thorsten, you need to go back and if you did those stats, they're not a couple No, you got the one well wrong <laughs> But you could go in there, there are probably some good ones there for Guy Crawford and Kate Kate Bevilacqua yep. um, So you've also got uh, fourth place Thorsten Abel and Leander Cave um, Actually I don't know if they're I was going to give Joe a kiss Okay it's a big sloppy one No tongues um, Brandon Marsh John, what's Amy interesting Marsh. here is there's, there's Obviously there weren't many Couples in the old days I think this is just recent results Oh uh, okay Because you would have had Melina and Aaron Yeah surely Melina and Aaron Had a couple of races um, Did they do the world champs in the same year? What was the year? Melina won 80 90, What did he win? 88 88 mm. Did Aaron do the same race? Don't know Don't know I'm sure they'd have some fast time somewhere. Surely. I don't know that they ever both won an Ironman race together. Well, there was the day that she beat him in the marathon time. I remember <laughs> she, that. She reminds me of that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Melina loves that day. Anyway, nice work, uh, Zen, uh, Zen Triathlon and Torsten from tryrating.com. Okay, Andy, uh, how's that one? Schindler. Schindler. A long-time listener, first-time emailer. Just wanted to say I love the show. I'm an architect in Queensland, Australia. I listen to the show while I'm drafting late at night and losing valuable sleep over preventing me from training. I hope that's the only sort of drafting you do there, Andy. Exactly. I have two questions for you. <clears throat> Coach's corner question. I have completed six iron distance races, including Port Macquarie, Wanaka, uh, Taupo, Japan, Frankfurt, and last year, Pendicton. My best time was Wanaka, 11 hours and two minutes, which is interesting because it's, it's a pretty slow race. Yeah. race. Fastest was Japan, uh, slowest was Japan, 11.17. All the rest are bang on between those times. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Wanaka, I hardly raced, I hardly trained, maybe six hours a week, and Pendicton, I trained better than 15 to seven, um, sorry, 10 to 15 hours a week. Yeah, I still can go, not go under 11 hours. My mates call me Mr. Consistent when racing and slack ass at training, mainly because I like to sleep in. How do I break my 11 hour curse? That is frustrating. You do 11 races and your time splits about, you know, 15 minutes in between all, I mean, six races, sorry, and your time splits 15 minutes. But and, I think and one day you go, you know what, I'm going to give it heaps and actually train properly, and you still don't get that. There. That must be the most frustrating yeah. thing is you put more effort in and you don't go any quicker. So I, I don't know. I mean, I need a hell of a lot more information, but I'd say the, the first thing you want to be looking at is whether you're a one pace trainer. You know, I think there's so many people out there that, yeah, you might have done 10 to 15 hours, but if you've done all that at an easy, slow pace, um, and. You're a one pace trainer. Yeah, you might be might become a little bit fitter, but you're probably not going to get any faster. A lot of people train themselves slower, don't they? Yeah. 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 So um, I think. Uh, an area if you want to try to make some breakthroughs, and I say this to a lot of people, is uh, maybe having a bit of a single discipline focus. So maybe next time you do a race, whether you're going to do a, an 8, a 10, 12, or 16-week build-up, prior to that, maybe really try smacking down some, some really hard cycling and do a good bike block so you can actually lift lift your bike. And it's generally the bike where people are going to gain um, gain their time or allow them to be in better shape to uh, to, to run off the bike. And then um, periodise your training. Again, as with um, one-pace training, a lot of people just do the same thing week in, week out, and they don't even have 
easier weeks or harder weeks. And if you do a harder week and if you take an easier week to absorb that, or absorb that normally you're going to make that that step up. And uh, and my final generalised point is. Uh, do you do much racing? Because some people, again, they just train up and they do an Ironman, and that's their race. You know, they may they do, do whatever length build up, and then they do an Ironman, and they're not actually race hardened. And so, I think for a lot of people, if you're in that that boat where you, you do just train from an Ironman, if you stagnated a bit, either doing a full season of short course racing, or at least having some races in there, so you can become a bit more battled hardened, um, go out there, race, and push yourself to the limit on a a semi-regular basis um, will actually help your mental fortitude when it comes to, to race day. So that's just four general tips. Okay, nice. He's also wondering where our old views are on Kona prior to 2010. Have you got all our old... Yeah, they are. There's a website... Um, I man talk at libson.libson.com, um, which has all our archived interviews, which people can get from there. We just never got around to putting them all on the site. And they I should c- all be on iTunes, shouldn't they? Oh, yeah, that, that's yeah. it, actually. If you go to iTunes, if you subscribe to iTunes and you click on there, and then. Um, just go back all the way back to episode one, will be on there. They won't all download straight away, but. Yeah, um, you can or go you can back. just. You can go. If you subscribe, let's say you've already subscribed, you go unsubscribe and subscribe, and all of the episodes will show up, but they won't be downloaded, and you can mm. just click on the ones you want. So mm. that's probably the best way of doing it. Mm. Eventually, one day we'll get around to getting those old episodes on the website. No, we won't. You won't. Oh no! I kind of <laughs> for a while there, I was doing like five shows because it takes yeah. about a few minutes. It's not it's not too much of a big task. I was kind of slowly battling through it, but I lost interest. <laughs> so. We need we need to have on our website under archive so people can search by name just for our, the people we've interviewed. Like remember when we first interviewed Simon Lessing and uh, and I think I've gone pretty far back. Let's have a look. You, you, you talk about okay. Else for a next qu- next question was from James Slade. Um, when running off the bike, is it best to a hold back even though you feel good? B aim to hold a consistent pace throughout regardless of how you feel, or C push push it when you feel good and ease back when you don't. Is there a run strategy that pros follow or is it a very individual approach? Any advice on this would be great. Um, this sort of links in a bit from the first question as well is the key thing I think is not to do the same thing every time and become a one pace runner. Um, so I'd really be recommending if you're in a, in a race build up is to have a bit of variety. So you know some runs are running at Ironman pace and I think a lot of people don't actually do that. Um, they don't have an appreciation of what Ironman pace actually means. Which is generally slower. Yeah, it's generally slower than what you need to do. In most cases, when I start coaching people and they're using GPS, I actually am enforcing them to slow down, um, and they find that difficult to, to to understand. So I think you certainly need to have some pacing, and you need to have some key sessions where you are running at Ironman pace off the bike through simulations, etc. Um, I certainly think you need to have some hard runs um, during your build up, and by hard, um, you don't need to be absolutely destroying yourself. But you know, for example, you might do a um, I know, a 6k run off a bike or something like that and you might go uh, 1k hard, 1k steady, 1k hard, 1k steady and that, that k hard is probably not going to exceed say your 10k race pace so when you do that for 1k it's probably, it's still a good firm pace but it's not going to kill you so things like that and then also I really really encourage um, you, everybody to do some stride work in there whenever I talk about strides I'm talking around about a, a between a 10 and 20 seconds of very fast running with very very good form and getting your leg speed up and they basically do it off a minute cycle. So you might do 15 seconds fast, 45 seconds easy. And incorporate. If, if we're that. going to scale of 1 to 10, stride you're not 100, are you? You're more like 80 you, to 85. You're trying to run as fast as you can holding your normal running form. Yeah. So you're not sprinting, but you are going very, very quickly yeah. and you wouldn't be able to sustain it for very long. But if you start sprinting, 
um, then you've, you've lost it. You've got to maintain that that normal form. So I'd say you just want to mix it up a bit there. Some Ironman pace work, some interval stuff, and some steady running with some stride work. Um, but for the most part, if you're in an Ironman build-up, I generally don't have guys beating themselves up too much with their running. Uh, it tends to be plenty in the steady zone and getting some leg speed work from, from stride work. Okay, so we've got a question here from Andrew Weston, and he's just basically saying he's loving the show. He's gone on Athlinks. He's, he's loving it. All good. Um, just one question he has is he's we, basically the question regarding what's the minimum amount of training you could do to do for an Ironman? What would you consider the minimal possible running training for an Ironman? I suffer from arthritis in the knees, which limits my run volume, but I still want to train for the Ironman in the future. Lanzarote and the Canadian Iron 226 in my future plans. I would love to keep um, my running um, to three times a week, a brick, a long run, and another one, easy or tempo. What are your thoughts? So this is really important to just distinguish what Bevan said again there, is this is for the people that, for whatever reason, they cannot do a full run program. So um, Andrew's got some, some arthritis going on there, and if he does a full run program, it's probably going to be um, <coughs> curtains, yeah. curtains for yeah. his knees. So there's no easy And you answer. know what, that's probably a big problem for a lot of ageing athletes, mm, mm. You know, especially guys who have come from running. I haven't thought, I might have this problem with Project 2014. Oh, I'm the ageing athlete You've just now. talked up the podium spot. I know. Um, so no, I've got here, there's no easy answer. I definitely think for guys um, that are in this boat the run walk is almost a must have for both in training and racing um, because just to preserve your legs a bit because of that jarring when you come to the race that's the thing that really beats you up and if you can get into that run walk routine I think your legs will have um, last a little bit, bit better during the run um, I'd also say look for other forms of running that can cause you the least issues. Um, so by that I'm talking, if, if hill running is going to cause your knees less issue, great, um, do a bit more of that. If running on the sand is going to cause you less issues, if running in the sand hills or running in forest trails, but basically trying to explore as many options as you can and try to find the things that give your knees the least amount of issues um, and, and focus on doing them. Because at the end of the day, we do want you running as much as possible with what your body can sustain. Um, I'd also look at uh, doing some cross-training work with your running so you're actually um, mimicking your um, running technique. So would you do things like a, a cross-training on the, on, at the gym or would you do yep. like um, aqua-jogging? Yeah, a bit, bit of both. Um, so to try to get that transition effect from bike to run, you know, um, you might not necessarily always do brick runs off the bike, but you might do some some time on the elliptical trainer or jump straight into the pool and, and do some aqua jogging so you get that feeling of uh, what it's like to be running off the bike. I hate aqua jogging. Yeah, it's it's a challenge, but it's hard work. It's um, but sometimes if you've on a good aqua jogging website, I think Pete Fitzinger. Do a search for Pete Fitzinger, and he's got some really good um, aqua jogging uh, routines on his website. But it's quite quite intense, some of it. Yeah. Um, and that might be if if hard running really gets you, that might be a way where you can actually do some 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 hard work in there as well. Um, I think the the one area there though that I think you'd probably want to focus on. Is, is making sure you're doing some some running when you're tired because that's ultimately what you're doing on, on race day. So I would be encouraging you, to, providing this doesn't make your knees worse, uh, I would be encouraging to focus a lot of your run training to be running off the bike. So having some, if you're going to do a long run, maybe do it off a, a long bike. So you might do a two-hour bike ride um, and then a two-hour run or two-and-a-half-hour run if you're able to do those those long runs. And uh, so, yeah, I think running tired is probably my key message there for, for you guys that are not able to run heaps. I think the other thing to consider is are you doing strength work around your, your, your muscles and your legs and your support and your knees and stuff like that and to really spend a bit of time with a great personal trainer, you know, someone who maybe has a bit more of a higher quality education background who can look at your body and figure out 
where your weaknesses and your strengths are so that you can, you know, you might not be running so much, but a couple of weight sessions a week, maybe you have to condition your body to handle, you know, that running. It's definitely worth considering. Nice work. I've got a quick one here from okay. um, Gary, where's his last name? Gary Jones. Uh, loves the show. He's been listening for the last couple of years. Um, we have a great way of delivering news, John. Great. Info, training advice, and banter, which no other triathlon podcast can come close to. To be honest, I don't listen to any others, so I, don't, I can't judge them, but I'm sure they're doing a good job. The reason I'm writing is to let you know that me and my team are doing a five-day cycle challenge for Marie Cure Cancer Care in Oxford, England. It has been held in my shopping centre in an indoor static bike. Oh, that's going to be tough. And we'll be travelling, it, does it leave from there? We'll be travelling 441 miles. This is the distance between Oxford and Bourne, Germany, which is the twin city of ours. We'll start at 8am and carry on to 6pm. So in the quiet moments, I'm going to be using your podcast to get me through when it's really quiet. I have episode 333 and the next two to listen to. Carry on the great work. So so they're fundraising for, what was it? Mary Cure. Marie Cure Cancer. Um, but man, Mary Curry Cancer Care. Curry, is it? Um, crazy. Craziness on a bike for we five need to days. Do a few more podcasts for you. It's well, we're doing legends, but it's not out for another month. No. Uh, Competitor radio. Go listen to some computer radio. Work. And then just lastly, Mark. Now, Mark. The, Cleanhouse. No, he's, he's saying we're doing it wrong. Uh, are we? Yeah. So because Mark Cleanhouse, it's not Cleanhouse. The complete book of triathlon training. Yeah. He sent through it to our winner, and it was all good. And uh, if you want to check out his book, the complete book of triathlon training. It's a good little book, and it's a beautiful book actually. But he's seen us said, we always say his name wrong, John. Okay. So how do you reckon we say it? Well, he says we say Mark, clean the house. Which I, which I which, agree. Which we do. Yep. But it's actually Mark Kleanthos. Kleanthos. Mark Kleanthos. Okay. So hopefully we've got that right, Mark. We'll forget within a week. We will. We'll be cleaning the house again. Mark, but, but we love you. <laughs> we clean the house. Kleanthos. Just on Facebook, got a few little messages. Um, someone's wondering about... Uh, wait a second. Someone want to talk about this week in Lance. Mm. Tony Hodge sent it through. Matt Damon might play him in the film. Oh, yep, that's right. That's yep. good. Saw that. Um, apparently there's a South Park episode, which is gold, but we couldn't get it. But Brian Dunjohn, last week we were talking about Josh Whedon. Yeah. And he said, the director of The Avengers, as well as being the creator of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and mm. Firefly, it was Will Wheaton who was Wesley Crusher, Crusher on Star Trek. That's where I was coming from. He was the guy in on Big Bang Theory. I think he was on, yep. um, do you remember Stand By Me, the movie? Yeah, he was one of the kids on that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. He was the, he was actually the like the main character, the kind of the, the shy yep. kid. Yeah. So there you go. Nice. And then Richard Saw sent through an I am pumpkin. Nice. Yep. So there you go. John. Yes. Someone's asking why we didn't get Dave Scott on Kona. Oh, uh, we can't get everybody. We can, we, you know, we didn't see him. I saw him once. Oh, I think maybe we talked about it last week. Yeah. Okay, John. What's your guys? Oh, sponsor? Uh, Coffeesofhawaii.com. Yes. Um, if you want to get a bit of decaf, I was watching something the other day which had uh, somebody chomping back a bit of decaf coffee. So if you need your, your, you want your coffee fix without the coffee for the evening, you just love the flavour and the taste. They've got a bunch of decaf coffees. They've got an island-style macadamia nut. They've got an island-style molokai. They've got an island-style roast toasted coconut. And they've got vanilla. And they've got more. They've got a vanilla macadamia. Mac Nut Decaf and they've got a Kona Nightingale they've got they've got flipping heaps here I didn't realise they've got so many <laughs> I was going to read them all out but they've got heaps of decaf so if you want to get your coffee fix go to coffeesofhawaii.com if you want to have your coffee flavour at night without the caffeine to keep you do you know what John that is a really good idea because I know like Jo for example loves her coffee mm. and um, but she does have this kind of like mid-afternoon kind of the last coffee of the day because she'll have her morning coffee and she'll have some like, like lunchtime and stuff because she wants to make sure she can sleep at night because she doesn't sleep well if she has coffee mm-hmm. but she 
she loves a coffee. So I can think of a win-win here, John. Mm-hmm. You, you, are you yawning? Yep. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but I'm thinking I could get her some decaf and I go, babe, do you want a coffee? She goes, no. I go, hey, what if you could still sleep? And she goes, yes. Maybe you could ask Albert for a lifetime supply of decaf. Yeah, and in exchange, Joe's got to let you do a, a Project 2014. Project 2014. Yeah. Okay, done. <laughs> Albert, you give me a lifetime supply of decaf. So go get yourself coffees of why. If you want the discount codes, go through imtalk.me, click on that, and it's got a bunch of discount codes you can use. Um, but there's heaps on there. You can get some serious deals and support the good guys that support our sport. Okay, so sponsors are? Coffeesofwhy.com. Decaf. Athlinks.com. Arizona and Extreme Endurance Fast Nice John Yes What's your goss Because I've got some good goss this week Well I've, I've, I've released Project 2014 That's my goss How's the, how's got, the website going uh, Good um, <laughs> date, date night tonight uh, Date night Where you, where you going um, Bamboozle Do you know a place You should go next time Gotta be in the book Oh I don't know If it would be <laughs> John's got this Bloody discount book um, Doesn't have to Smokehouse In Fairmead Yeah no we we're gonna go there That's yep. amazing yep. That's, I would say Best restaurant in town Okay, you put it out my, Which probably ruined the experience for you. Yeah. We went to the King of Snake the other night, and that was meant to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. It was just average. Okay. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't yeah. poor. Yeah. But uh. you're going out there on your high end restaurants there, Bevan. Well, Things yeah. have changed since, you, since Joe's come on the scene. You know, I'm a bit classy now. Been bloody lucky to go down to dumplings, two dollar rice. These yeah, exactly. my old day. Exactly. <laughs> um, that's about it. John, you'd be proud of me. Why? Went to the casino the other night. Oh, nice. Yeah, you walk to... away when you're up. Well, John, what happened was we went out for dinner. When the earthquake happened in Christchurch, everything disappeared. And so one night, my friends and I, Kate Jeff and Marky Mark and Joe and I went out to, for dinner and then we went to the casino. And we had a good night and we all put in 20 bucks each. And I think we won $80 by the end of the night. So we thought we were legendary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was about a year ago. Oh, so we thought we need to do the repeat. We need to go back out and see if we can still be casino legends. You're right? He's going to sneeze. Saved it. Saved it. Good save. Do you know your eyes don't pull it, fall out if you leave your eyes open when you sneeze? Really? I did research on that because people would say if you could keep your eyes open, your eyes, it's not true. <laughs> Just, there's a good fact, guys. I'm sure you'll use it one day in your life. But anyway, went to the Keza. Yeah. Casino, support the casino. Happy to hear that. They're one of my major sponsors. These there days. we go. I only said to them, look, John's doing a race. Let's go yeah. to the casino to support John's race. Bloody good supporters, actually. And there we go. So I went to the casino. Well, they're not going to like me, John. Mm. They're not going to like me. You took a lot of money off. So what happened was we went up to we went up to the roulette wheel. Mm-hmm. We put in twenty dollars on the table, mm-hmm. and they gave us away chips. And we thought we were pretty rich because they got two dollars chips. So you had quite a bit. You're just going, you peasants. <laughs> we thought we were pretty cool. Went pretty well on the roulette table, John. Yeah, got up to one hundred and sixty bucks. Really, doing That's pretty good it. early on. Yeah, yeah. So then I thought we should probably leave when we're on top. So I made the suggestion. I said, let's go play blackjack because last time we played mm. blackjack, we did quite well. Went to the blackjack table, not so good. Mm. And You've got to, I'll give you blackjack lessons. What's that? You've got to play the odds. Well, uh, we haven't got odds? time to do that today because we've got four minutes before we're interviewing someone. Um, you've just got to learn how to. You know when you've got to fold. Uh, you, See, you know, you've got to know when you've got a professional gambler. Yeah. What, what would you do? Here we go. If you had um, feeling pressure, thirteen. You had thirteen. Yes. And the dealers, you know how the dealer shows you one card. Yeah. If he had a six, I would take the risk. See, that's a bad call. Oh no! That's why we lost John because you weren't there. Because what happens? Yeah, what's what's the card in the the pack of? Uh, oh, you need to, a six. It's got, it's, got, it's got the most. What's the most thing in the pack of cards? Is, is a the ten, picture cards, a yeah. pack, which is all ten. Yeah. So if, uh, the chances are the, uh, the odds are. He's going to pull a 10, 
yep. or a high card. So if he pulls a 10 or a 9 or something oh, like that, see? he has to draw again because he's, he's got to draw if he's got 16 or under. Uh, and so chances of him, when he's got a 6, the chances of him busting are extremely high. When was the last time you went to the casino? Don't, I haven't been recently. <laughs> you want to go? There's a reason for that. There's <laughs> a date night. Did you lose it? Yeah. Uh, casino. There's a reason why casinos do well. Um, I went on there, John. Not went on there. Anyway, so for the deal, this is the tip of the day. If the dealer's ever got a six, you sit on whatever you've got, unless you've got something you can split. If you had um, aces or something, you obviously split your aces or double down. If you've got a nine, if you draw a nine, you've got a double down. You just what's, got, what does it mean? Say for example, you've got you, your first two cards add up to nine. Oh, then you go. You can go one card only, and you can put an extra chip down, and you get one card only. So you're basically doubling your bet. And then if he's busting, oh, you see, I don't know one. these tricks, John. You gotta take me next time you go. Uh, okay, we'll invite Blinder and I along, and I will. We will because then what happened, John? Was so we we, we lost a little bit of money on the back tap because we didn't have you there. It was a big mistake. Mm. Mm. So we went back to the roulette wheel because we were doing pretty well there. Mm. We managed to get our money back up to around two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Been playing for a while then, and I said, why don't we each have ten dollars each and go to the pokey machines and do ten minutes of pokey and who can win the most wins? Yeah. So we went to the pokey machines and we all put our ten dollars in and and I managed to win seventy bucks like Jesus. straight. Away, and I was like, I've got this game wrapped up. And Jake, Jeff, and Kate were sitting next to us, and they were slowly losing their money. Joe got down to her last last thing, mm. and she put like the maximum bet on one hundred and forty bucks. Jesus. So we walked out of there with four hundred and forty bucks. Nice, yeah. <laughs> I know, I was loving it. This, this is how the casino gets people hooked. <laughs> no, because the key is walking out. Yeah, it is. But yeah. then you'll go back again with me. No, no, once a year, once a year. That's our annual event. And so far, do you know what? In life, John, I'm up in gambling because mm. I, I tend to win. Like most gamblers think they're up and getting. No, because I, I'm, like, I won here. I won last time. I won one other time. I won. When I was in Vegas, I won 300 US. Mm. I'm, I'm a, You'll keep remembering those. Yeah, I You'll do. forget about your losses. <laughs> I didn't go on Tuesday night. I can't remember it. <laughs> anyway, so that's this week's show. It is. We've got to wrap it up. We've got an interview we're doing out doing Legends early this month. Oh, yeah. We're organised. Okay, we better get on to that. John, John texts me at literally four o'clock this morning. Let's not exaggerate, Bevan. It was, it was I'm five. Doing it, was, it, was, it was ten past five. <laughs> past five. Jesus, we've got an interview coming up. Yeah, get good. ready for it. So there we go. Anyway, if John John's going to show me some uh, some gambling tips, and I'm going to yeah. show him how to really win at the casino. Yeah. <laughs> Iron Rush. I mean, don't train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.